0: You know what I told Newsweek about Woodstock? I told Newsweek, they said, what do you think about Woodstock? I said, uh, I think it's the hippies cashing in on all the money they were too high to make back in the 60s. Now they look, now they look like Don Henley and they're cashing in. So just make sure you get your ya-ya's out before you go home because they're going to get the rest and they always do.
1: Welcome to... ROCK STRIKES 10! Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey... If you can hear my voice, I want to thank you for checking out the show here, especially if you're doing it on the home base at cnjradio.com, home of all the great podcasts, cnjradio.com. All right. It is time for my recap and my nitpickings for Woodstock 94. I remember Woodstock 94 pretty well. Not that I attended it or anything, but I remember... They were broadcasting a lot of it on, like, Westwood One and syndication across the... I think it was on the Eagle over here. Our local rock station here. And I know there was a ton of MTV coverage. I didn't get the pay-per-view. For those of you who don't know, they uh, sold Woodstock 94 as a pay-per-view. I think he paid, like, a flat rate of, like, 50 bucks, And they just had it on, like, the whole weekend. So, for those people that, like, actually, like, taped it off of their VHS machines and put it up on YouTube years later. Thank you very much. You helped me a lot with my research this week. So, yeah, Uh, feel free. You can look up, you know, Woodstock94 on YouTube. You can find a ton of full sets, most of them professionally shot. I found a few that weren't, but I was still able to watch them. I'll elaborate more on those a little later on here. And also, by the way, I want to thank uh, Henry Rollins for introing that right there. Talk more about him later, too. All right. So, uh, one thing I do know, of course, as these festivals go, there are some bands that leave that festival and become more famous than they already were. Or maybe break through. I'm not sure if there were any bands that, like, became a household name afterwards, but I think if one did, it was definitely Green Day. Not that they weren't doing well at the time. Uh, dookie was already out and i actually knew some people that had dookie prior to it becoming like a big record and this was definitely one of the things that did help get him into the stratosphere get played on more radio stations they caused a big uproar and and to do during their set because it had rained that day so there was a little bit of a mud fight going on between the band who, who were egging it on for sure And Billy Joe being very ornery in the set. If you haven't seen this whole set, it's definitely worth looking up. It's kind of a train wreck, but it's kind of a great train wreck. And also, Green Day is the only band out of the entire festival of Woodstock 94 that is officially released their entire set, you know, in an official format. This year, during Record Store Day, you can actually buy the entire set on vinyl. So I actually did do that this year. So that's one of the reasons I'm able to feature it here on this show. And we're not going in chronological order like we did last time, because I wanted to pace the show a little bit differently here. So yeah, kicking off this set here of the 10 acts that played Woodstock 94 that I actually like. Here is Green Day opening up their set with welcome to paradise.
2: Ah! Oh, what is this fucking free hippie love shit?
1: There you go. Green Day opening up this week's episode of Rock Strikes 10 and directly from the actual Woodstock 94 show. There, welcome to Paradise that kicked off their set as well as this one here on rock strikes 10 this week speaking of green day some of you out there may not be big fans but i got to say uh mike dirt and trey cool probably one of the more underrated rhythm sections you know of the modern era those guys are pros man tight as shit, really cool and and billy joe i've seen him be super drunk at shows and he really gets it done so really i mean as 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 quote-unquote punk rock as they are those guys can play man so that's another reason i'm a fan I saw them back in the club days, and they just blew me away. So, yeah, I, I like more of their records than I don't. That's for damn sure. Okay. Anyway, moving on here. Speaking of bands that get it done live, and, you know, that's one of the quotas for me actually being a fan of any band, but this is a band you definitely, definitely got to see live, and apparently you definitely need to see them in a festival setting because in the instance of Woodstock 94, Uh, according to what i've read they had to like beg to be on this thing and i'm talking about jackal here you know for those of you who've seen jackal live you i'm preaching to the choir here but uh, i saw jackal 10 years ago at rocklahoma in 2009 and they weren't supposed to be at that one either they were a last minute replacement and, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing about, you know, them having to beg to be on Woodstock 94 and being a last-minute replacement at Rock, Oklahoma, they take a really interesting, positive, and abrasive uh, front to this. <laughs> they are, are meant to go out there to steal the show, especially in a place they're not wanted originally. And they definitely did that at Woodstock 94. The thing that really sucks is... I could not find the whole set of this online. Uh, You can find like maybe one or two songs out there on the internet. But from all accounts, I've even read reviews of this show and they just like blew people away. That was like the big to-do of like the first day. Because they didn't really have a lot of huge marquee acts on the first day of Woodstock. It was almost kind of a warm-up day. So a lot of burgeoning acts that hadn't quite made it uh, as a household name and stuff like that. And some of these are on my list this week as well. Uh, So Jackal was the big talk of day one. They uh, went out there. Jesse James Dupree like shot like the shotgun up in the air. <laughs> it's a real gun. And you know, normally if you've seen him play during Lumberjack, they uh he saws a bar stool in half. Well, this time apparently he set the bar stool on fire as a tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Apparently, then sawed it in half. You can find pictures of that. It's great pictures. Uh, so yeah, apparently Jackal just went out there and, and killed it, as they always do. Wish I could have seen that, because I'm sure the crowd, they, they hadn't turned into the mud people that Day 2 spawned. So I think I really would have liked to have seen Day 1, at least for a handful of bands. And this is one of them, so here you go. Uh, I got this off of their Prime Cuts Best Of, which is a really good Best Of. So this is not directly from Woodstock. I'm only playing like two or three things here on the show that are actually from the festival. You know, going for that live concert festival vibe here. So here you go. Here's Jackal tearing it up. With their live version of Redneck Punk.
3: All right, so I, got one, I got one question for you. Can you people help it? Can you help it if you don't take no shit off of nobody? I didn't think so. We gotta let the rest of the world know that it's high to be a red! Oh Se
1: jackal with redneck punk live version there from their prime cuts best of i said this years ago on the show but if you think you have no redneck vibe inside of you or even just like a minuscule little bit there it's like no i have i have no redneck in me especially if you live in the south you go see a jackal show that thing will come out of you like somehow some way they'll get it done whether that's a good or a bad thing is up to you but i do recommend seeing them live so there you go hope you enjoyed that speaking of day one bands as well and also speaking of paying tribute to Jimi hendrix we're going to do a Jimi hendrix cover here via this band here that got to play woodstock 94 they were on atlantic records at the time so they were on a major doing pretty well and putting out what i think is one of their best albums ever out of the 15 albums that they've done king's x Support the Dogman record at this time. I saw them on this tour, and I was already a decent fan of theirs, but I became a big fan after seeing them live this year in 1994, opening up for the uh, John Karabi-led Motley Crue there that summer. Uh, But they got to play Woodstock 94. You can actually find their whole set on YouTube. I found it, I guess it was like from a production tape, a direct production tape, and not the pay-per-view. Because the version I found had like that, the, the counter number, you know, on the bottom there, the whole time. But, uh, you know, not the greatest of video quality, but the sound quality was really good. So, uh, I recommend uh, seeking that out, just as a little piece of history there. And uh, yeah, like I said, paying tribute to Hendrix. You probably know what I'm gonna do here, but uh, for those of you who may not have the Dogman record, right at the end of the Dogman album, they cover Jimi Hendrix's Manic Depression, and and uh, it's actually made up on the album to sound like a live version. I don't think it is. But I'm going to go ahead and play you an actual live version of them doing Manic Depression. So here you go. From live all around the world, I think it's what it's called. Yeah, anyway. Who cares? It's King's X. It's a Hendrix cover. It's awesome. This is Manic Depression. Turn it up.
3: You like to up here, Jeff. You know who... All right.
1: There you go manic depression from an official live king's x record there i think it's called like live all over the world or something like that uh the one with the blue cover yeah (laughs) all right so they got a couple of official live albums out there and i i'm pretty sure it's the live all around the world one there's like live in london and then there's that one so that's where i got that audio from hope you enjoyed that how could you not anyway all right, so uh, for those of you who may not know, if you didn't recognize the voice at the top of the show doing that intro uh, bagging on the hippie culture there, that was the great Henry Rollins, who I'm a big fan of. And while some may think that that was done on a different stage, not at Woodstock 94, that was said from the actual Woodstock 94 stage. So good on you, Hank. There you go, trashing the organizers and the hippie culture right there during your set. That's very punk rock, isn't it? I enjoyed it. Uh, you can find uh, their full set out there. You pretty much have to watch it in pieces, though. It's not all, like, all there together. But uh, it's, a, it's a very inspired, very heavy performance there. If you've never seen the Rollins band live, I had the pleasure once. I only got to see him once, actually. And uh, with this lineup, Henry's played with two or three different, like, lineups as a solo artist post-Black Flag. Uh, The most famous one being the one here in the 90s that he played at Woodstock 94 with. I'm actually not going to play live audio with that lineup, but I'm going to play the lineup that followed them, which was basically the band Mother Superior and Henry Rollins. So under the moniker of Rollins Band still. And the reason I wanted to play this, because, yeah, it's from a live show, but also uh, this week it was, uh, you know, Phil Lennon's birthday, and, you know... Every year when I see that post, it's just one of those sad, gone-too-soon kind of things. Uh, and, you know, one of the great songwriters of all time, the leader of Thin Lizzy, and uh, just a, a working-class hero, in my opinion, uh, and uh, greatness recognizes greatness there. Another great working-class hero, Henry Rollins, uh, doing it for all of us, and it, it, I hope this doesn't surprise you, but Henry Rollins is a massive fan of Thin Lizzy and Phil, so much so that on this live album, he does a uh, kind of a fanboy, little two-song Thin Lizzy Bentley here, so, and I won't spoil it for you in advance, we'll come back and I'll, I'll give you all the details later not that you need to know the song title because you probably already know but i'll tell you anyway a little later on here so hey, here we go it's time for the henry rollins show with the rollins band doing this awesome thin lizzie medley so sit back turn it up and enjoy rest in peace phil
0: See, think of this thing that happened uh, a couple of years ago. I was in uh, Sweden doing this festival, and there's this weird thing that happens at those Euro festivals where you play on the, this bill of bands, and it's totally unnatural. It's a bill that would never happen in real life. And this afternoon, it was Sheryl Crow, and then us. <laughs> and like, it's just the weirdest mix. I mean, in the real world, that would never happen our audience and their audience, they're gonna co-mingle? No. I mean, I don't know what would happen. I think, you know, they would play and my people would go, hmm. And they would play and my people would go, Growls. I don't know, but it, I don't know if it would work. But on this afternoon, it's Cheryl Crow and then us. And it's just weird. And so she's about to go on stage. I'm, like, in in pre-gig warm-up mode. (laughs) The crow flies but once, Cheryl. You're going down today. I mean, for me, like, worldwide federated wrestling, this isn't Sweden. This is death match. And, um... (laughs) So I'm, I'm getting ready, like, wham, 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 I can do it, I can do it, oh. and she's like, yeah, right, and I just know what's going to happen. She's going to go out there,
3: every day is the one thing right,
0: and everyone's going to go, fuck you, and then we're going to come out, oh, and then will go, yeah, so she walks by me, and I'm like, ooh, 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 you know, mosquitoes swirling around me because I smell blood, blood. And I'm like, Aah. and I go, "Have a nice show." <laughs> and she's like, "Thanks." You know, goes on stage. Everyone in her band plays really well. They all sing really well. She plays extremely well. Sings perfectly. The crowd of like 14,000 people seem to know every single lyric.
3: Every day is a winding road. Come <sighs> a little bit
0: closer. Like, fuck. But it doesn't matter, because I know what we're going to do. Oh, real rock power. There'll be nothing left. It'll be like Godzilla stepping on a cupcake. You're out of there. You're dead. You're dead. And so they clear. We put our gear on, and we walk out there. 14,000 people have dwindled to about six. That's all right. They'll come back. They'll come back. We come out there. Oh three songs later, there's about 3,000 people. Four songs into the set, there's about 800 people. No response whatsoever. We get to the end of the set, there's like eight guys standing a mile away. Fuck you! And we're like, yay! And we walk off stage like... Like just, I felt so stupid, man. I'm like, here I'm and got the tattoos. Like, oh my fucking jackass! <laughs> I walked off, and she walks by me like, nice show. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, it's like when you fall on your keys. Oh, the pain! It's like, like you know, hang Zip, Cheryl won game, set, match to the crow. You know. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm here. I didn't go anywhere. I was just enjoying uh, and reveling in this uh, really fun concoction that I planned there for you. So yeah, let's give you some detail here in case you're uh, in the dark. So there you go. A two-song live Thin Lizzy medley of Rocker and Bad Reputation by the Rollins Band. And that's definitely proof positive that Henry is a, a decent fan of that band Because those aren't the two most obvious Thin Lizzy songs. Maybe more so Bad Reputation than Rocker. Rocker is probably my favorite Thin Lizzy song, so I was happy to feature that here on the show. I went ahead and, uh, yeah, Rollins is like practically a co-host on this episode. I I pulled that from one of his talking CDs, one of my favorite ones of his. uh, Because I realized, and this was actually as I was putting the show together like right before I recorded this I was like hey I've got a bit with Rollins talking about playing at a festival overseas with Sheryl Crow and you know Rollins band and Sheryl Crow both played Woodstock 94 so since he talked about how he failed to follow her properly went in and had Sheryl follow Henry here on the show and uh, she was represented by uh, what I, I feel is a really cool version of of Led Zeppelin's "Jamaker" off of the Encomium tribute album from around that time like probably 94 95 something like that and as luck would have it also featured on said tribute album is the Rollins band a lot of tie-ins there with Cheryl Crow and Henry Rollins maybe you didn't realize all that when you woke up this morning but that that's what I'm here to do as a free service here on Rock Strikes 10 I say free service but I'm still not gonna beg you for money on the show because I don't do that i'd rather end the show entirely than beg you for money so yes i'm going for that punk rock anti-dollar sentiment yeah that's real big all right there you go there's a i'll I'll get off the cross now but i really hope you enjoyed all of that i had fun doing that there for you (laughs) so yeah gerald Crow's legit man i saw her on uh the third tour when she was doing globe sessions One of the best shows I've ever seen. As far as, like, musicianship, just like Ron said, they play very well, she sings very well. Everybody in that band, massively talented. I'm glad I saw her when I did. Uh, Don't have much time for the albums that followed Globe Sessions, but I still recommend the first three albums very heavily, and I mean that. I remember her playing Jamaica on Unplugged, and she forgot the words. Like, she... (laughs) like misplaced all the lyrics in her head like this verse went over there this verse went over there and i know she realized it because she actually apologized after the song she actually begged led zeppelin for forgiveness so track that footage down if you can okay moving on here from that really bizarre henry Rollins cheryl crow thing there uh over to uh an act that i don't feature that often on the show although i definitely respect the man uh we're gonna play some peter gabriel here and uh you know I, like i said this show is not in performance chronological order like i did when i was covering the original woodstock festival i thought the order of the show the way they booked it was really weird uh they actually closed the last night off with peter gabriel and nothing wrong with peter gabriel and he's definitely a next level live act uh, performance artist and everything but uh i just thought that was kind of odd uh I don't know. I wasn't there, so maybe it, maybe it went down well. I'm I'm sure it did fine. But I just thought it was odd that he closed night three. <laughs> that might have been a good one to have, like, night one. Like, since they didn't have, like, a big headliner on night one, that might have been good. I don't know. Who the hell knows? This is probably why I'm not in charge of these things. Uh, But yeah, he definitely made the cut of the 10 bands that I liked from the Woodstock 94 Festival, so definitely going to include him here. And I was was trying to get cute with what to play uh, by him, and I have a handful of things by him, actually. But I figured, let's play like a really obvious song that you never hear a live version of ever. So why not? We're just going to go for the number one single, Sledgehammer, albeit in a live setting. So here you go. Here's a version of Sledgehammer you might not have heard a million times. Uh, literally probably a million times if you're as old as i am so there you go check it out the great peter gabriel in a live version of sledgehammer yeah! all right there you go live version of sledgehammer right there i was listening to one of those Sirius xm 80s countdowns the other week and they were in 1986 and the really neat thing about that considering you know of course that's when peter was riding high with the so record but at the same time his ex-bandmates in genesis were also making a huge play on the charts with the invisible touch album and the whole thing Peter Gabriel went solo from Genesis because they were starting to lean in a more commercial direction and that's not really his thing apparently so it was a mutual parting and all this other stuff but I just thought it was really funny that at one point in time post breakup that Peter Gabriel would actually have the number one pop single in the world above his old band at the time Genesis I think that's at a point where he's number one and Genesis is number two with invisible touch uh so that happened at one point so there's there's some massive irony for you there in your music history your nerdy musical history lesson for the day yeah and a quick fun fact for those of you who don't know and you definitely should have the so record it's it's a great album top to bottom Uh, if it's good enough for ozzy then it's good enough for you guys that's one of his favorite albums ever Uh, ask him if you don't believe me i've never seen that there's like a dvd i think out there where he plays the so album top to bottom and i always thought the coolest thing about that on principle was that he wouldn't do the show playing the album top to bottom until he could get every musician that actually played on it originally to appear and play on that show (laughs) so there you go a true artist right there peter gabriel possibly a little pretentious but also a true artist for sure all right Uh, a band that definitely was on their way up at the time prior to woodstock 94 was primus Most people that got into Primus pretty much got into them, I think, for the most part in 91, 92 with their album Sailing the Seas of Cheese. I know I did, at least. A lot of my friends did, too. So when Pork Soda came out, they put out a a record that went gold. So they went to the next level at that point. So uh, I think they got even a little more famous playing Woodstock 94, Because they came off really well live and of course uh, they had that nice little tie-in there, uh, albeit an accidental tie-in to the day where it had rained that day and right when they went into My Name Is Mud, people just started flinging mud all over the damn place. Like I mentioned before, you can find their entire set also on YouTube, playing Woodstock. They play a nice hour there. And uh, yeah, the, the mud just starts flying. It hits Les's bass right as soon as he says mud. They stop the whole song down. It's pretty funny. It, it's out there online. I won't bore you with the details. but And that was a fun moment. But uh, I think probably the best performance they had all day uh, was this song right here from Sailing the Seas of Cheese here is actual audio from Woodstock 94 of Primus doing those damn blue-collared tweakers. Uh, There's some Primus for you. There you go, those damn blue-colored tweakers. And I actually got that directly off of their Best Of. Uh, the really cool thing, about a decade ago, when they put out their Best Of called They Can't All Be Zingers, if you got the bonus disc version, it's actually got like an EP, like a five or six songs from their Woodstock 94 set officially. So there you go, some more officially released audio from said festival so go check that out if you if you don't have anything by Primus of course they can't all be zingers is probably the one to get honestly Um, really good best of and another reason you should definitely track down like the full performance of Primus at Woodstock 94 on YouTube is the jerry cantrell cameo jerry actually comes out and jams with the band for a little bit on one of their songs and uh, it's pretty funny because he goes out there and plays for a few minutes and uh, when he comes back larry Lalonde, who had left the stage probably just to take five comes back and he's all joking like how do i follow that (laughs) you know which is ridiculous because they're two completely different types of guitar players but I thought it was really cool that he put him over like that. And really cool of Primus to do that, because Allison in Chains was definitely officially invited to perform at Woodstock 94, and unfortunately that whole touring year got cut off for them due to Lane Staley's problems. That's a nice way of saying it. Uh, so, yeah, at least Jerry got to play it. Uh, so that was their way of, you know, being nice to some uh, fellow hard rock brethren there. So... Really cool thing to check out there. And another thing you definitely should check out. This band right here. I'd have to say out of all of the bands that played Woodstock 94. uh, If there is an iconic performance in that entire festival. that probably rests solely on the shoulders of this band. Not that a lot of these other bands weren't great. But I think even though this band was already a huge name at this point i think they actually got more famous because of their set at woodstock 94 that's nine inch nails no doubt about it you gotta go look up the pro shot of this it is something else and just a nice happy accident apparently the way the story goes is that i guess two of the members i'm not sure which ones i don't go on wiki because of this reason but uh uh, two of the members of the band uh, were i think either play fighting or real fighting not quite sure Uh, but at one point somebody went face first into the mud backstage and uh, it kind of turned into this like moment where everybody stopped down apparently and as a sign of cooling things down and maybe a sign of solidarity and we got a show to play they all got down and rolled around in the mud maybe wrestled a little bit to get hyped up and they went out there All muddied and then caked up after a while because, you know, you sweat out there and the mud dries. And uh, they were zombie mud people for their entire one-hour set. Uh, So go track down this footage. It's pretty amazing. And they're already a great live band anyway. And you add that element in there, it just takes it up another star. So definitely highly recommended. And for that reason, I wanted to also play actual audio from that set. And I definitely put this high up on greatest cover songs of all time. We've been playing a lot of covers here on the show. I hope you enjoy them. But, uh, you know, I'm not a huge Joy Division fan. Not even close. I really can't stand them, honestly. And uh, people overrate them a lot. But whatever. I would definitely rather listen to New Order if you're talking Family Tree. Yes, shoot me. Okay. But when Nine Inch Nails covered Dead Souls for the Crow soundtrack that to me just is one of the greatest covers ever they took that song and they made it listenable and uh they put down a tremendous performance of it here live at woodstock so here you go from that actual show this is nine inch nails improving the hell out of dead souls enjoy
3: this is something we do for the crow
1: Snails Nails from Woodstock94, Dead Souls. I remember hearing that on the syndicated radio broadcast, so I'm glad that there was a nice pro version of it out there that I could rip off the internet and play it for you here on the show. There you go, Dead Souls. Hope you enjoyed that. You can find the original version on the Crow soundtrack and also on the deluxe version of the Downward Spiral, which came out a little while back. It's a great deluxe edition if you haven't heard it. It's got that on there. It's got Burn from Natural Born Killers got a lot of good stuff usually deluxe edition bonus tracks or i use once and destroy as uh, my friend over in colorado would say but uh man it's it's de- it's a decent deluxe edition worth having in my opinion all right moving on here we got two more acts to play uh, arguably the two most famous superstar bands that Especially at that time, they could tour anywhere in the world for years on end on that same album. And anywhere there's electricity, because everybody wants to see them. And at this point, I'm a sophomore in high school, and those are like the two hottest tickets you could possibly get at this point. And I saw both of these bands at the time, so... It was really cool to see them at these kind of peaks. If you watch that footage of Metallica from Woodstock 94, which once again, nice pro shot of the full show out there. This is a band that's like at the tail end of like this massive three year world tour, touring off the Black album. That has to be one of the biggest tours of all time. I can't imagine. Because they did three grueling years of that thing. And uh, man, I wonder how many physical years that took off their lives. But I gotta say, even just watching their Woodstock set, it doesn't seem like a total mail-in as you would maybe expect after uh, that point and i saw him uh, i think that year actually yeah if i'm not mistaken because they played uh the outdoor shed here locally and i had i saw him twice on this go-around i saw him uh, at the guns and roses co-headline thing over at texas stadium And then I saw them in the summer of 94, probably just a week or two after they played Woodstock, actually, Uh, because they all looked the same, had the same haircuts. Like, Kirk had that weird Misfits haircut. James had his Billy Ray Cyrus haircut going on. It was pretty crazy. Uh, And Jason had, like, a shaved crew cut. Yeah, so that that sounds about right. So, yeah, I saw this tour. And, yeah, let's bash Candlebox again, because... Originally, we talked about Alice in Chains having to miss Woodstock. So Alice in Chains canceled the Metallica tour because they got invited to open up that tour along with Suicidal Tendencies, which at the time, Metallica said that was their two current favorite bands, were Suicidal and Alice in Chains. So Alice in Chains cancels. So instead of just giving Suicidal a longer setlist time, they bring in Candlebox. (laughs) Maybe it was major label pressure. Who the hell knows? But the way it should have gone, since Candlebox was on their first album, they should have been third on the bill. They just took Alice in Chains' second slot on the bill. So they play, between Metallica and Suicidal Tendencies, one of the worst sets I've ever seen. Not just on principle, but they just sucked. One of the worst. So anyway, yeah. They played Woodstock 94 also, but you're not going to hear them on my goddamn show. Anyway... Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, like, they didn't even have an hour's worth of fucking material. They were playing covers at the end of their set. I'm not even going to go into detail on that. But uh, the fact that Suicidal had, like, six albums out at the time and they got 30 minutes was an absolute crime. Anyway, all right, there's my rant right there. Let's get back into Metallica talk. So, yes, of course, Metallica played Woodstock 94. I think they played on the Saturday prior to the band I'm going to close the show with. So that's a hell of a one-two punch right there. Since I saw him on this tour... They had a really neat opening song on this leg and they would do this bit and if you, once again, watch the full set on YouTube from Woodstock94, you can hear the joke. The joke is uh, a a voice comes on the PA which kind of sounds like James Hatfield a little bit like being real serious in a tone like this and apologizes to the fans because Metallica will not be able to perform tonight. And then James just gets on the mic and goes, Fuck you, Breadfan! So they open up that leg of the tour with Breadfan which is a b-side you know from the justice for all album so really interesting random opener right there so i figured since that reminds me of seeing them that year that's what i'm gonna play to represent their set at woodstock 94 so here you go here's an old fun thrash favorite here metallica's version of bread fan check it out (laughs) there you go "Breadfan" fan by metallica i couldn't find a live version with that particular lineup or at least a good quality one so that's why I didn't play a live version on this show here. I wanted to, but I just couldn't find one. But I figured, hell, let's just play the studio version. Why not? Yeah, I can imagine. They they were definitely trying to change up the set list as much as possible, but they were already getting into that point where it's like, you got to play this song and this song and this song for sure, or people will be pissed off. So they didn't play it at Woodstock, but I remember when I saw them, in the shed they were even playing stuff now like disposable heroes and stuff like that and uh one of the more deep songs off a of black album it might have been like god that failed or something or something they were they were trying to go as deep as possible without making themselves insane by that point i'm sure but anyway it was still a good show speaking of good shows i saw this band twice Around this time on the same tour, and they were still supporting this album at the time. The album Get a Grip, talking about Aerosmith, of course. And, uh, you know, like I said, they were in one of their massive peaks at this point, like uh, 1993. Just coming on after Pump and Get a Grip was a huge album, sold millions and millions of copies, and they were on MTV every five minutes. Aerosmith was the shit at this point. Uh, And I gotta say, there are people that, like, shit on this era of Aerosmith, you know, from a creative standpoint. But I gotta say, from a live standpoint, if you didn't go see him then, then you truly missed out, because... They were on fucking fire at this point. I even saw them on the tour after this. The uh, Nine Lives tour. And I like, actually like the Nine Lives album. But they were not as on as they were when I saw my Get a Grip. Uh, they definitely toured that record probably for about a year and a half, I bet. I saw them two times and they were great both times. They were just on fucking fire. So if you didn't see Aerosmith in, you know, 93, 94, that's a shame. You definitely missed out. Uh, So definitely them closing the peak of Saturday night for Woodstock 94 was definitely the smart thing to do. Even after all the other hubbub, you know, Nine Inch Nails and and Metallica and stuff, Aerosmith proved that they were true headliners that night. So go look up their two-hour set at Woodstock because it's a thing of beauty. Rock and roll personified right there. So go watch a band at its peak physically, mentally, and musically, honestly. So yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, yes, Rocks and Toys in the Attic are better albums. I totally get that, and I totally agree with it. But they sounded better on the Get a Grip tour and probably the Pump tour than they ever did on any tour. So there you go. There's my HMO there for the day. Hot music opinion. The kids call it hot takes nowadays. But uh, anyway, so to represent. I really like the live version of this just because the intro is fun and all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, from a little south of Sanity, not Woodstock. But this is Aerosmith closing off the show here this week with Eat the Rich. think those are some of the best steven tyler lyrics ever i like how angry he is on it Uh, yeah not that tyler isn't rich himself but as he said in the song i believe in rags to riches so that's why he's not a total asshole or hypocrite while he's singing that but uh yeah go look up the lyrics for that if you didn't catch them all but that was eat the rich by aerosmith live version that was from a little south of sanity it's it's not quite the fun organic live album that live bootleg is from the 70s but you know it's pretty spot on as far as the performance goes so go check it out if you've never heard it before a lot of good old songs on there too so yeah um i hope you enjoyed this episode me uh doing my particular coverage of woodstock 94 and the 10 bands that i liked at that festival it's pretty much 10 exactly that i like so anybody that i feature on the show that's pretty much it there's really nothing else on there that i'm like eh. there might be a few as in there but this is this is it for me uh there's actually i'll tease the next episode a little bit there's actually more than 10 artists that i i do enjoy that were at woodstock 99 but i'm going to whittle it down to 10 and that'll of course be the next episode but you can find that and all the episodes of rock strikes 10 on cnjradio.com. so yeah rock strikes 10 On CNJRadio.com. While you're there, check out the flagship, The Wrestling House Show with myself and Chris, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. Uh, New reviews, retro reviews, the works. So check it out. Also on CNJRadio.com, The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions with Randy Brown, a true alternative. Randy's a really busy guy and he doesn't do the show weekly, but when he does put one out, it's of high quality. And there are only about a 100 or so episodes of The Synaptic on cnjradio.com, so get down with it now. I'm sure you can catch up to him for sure if you start now. So go check it out. It's a great show. Also on cnjradio.com, The Last Theater with Chris, the C of CNJ, the aforementioned Chris. We're going to be doing a really cool series coming up, uh, much like we did a few years ago with the Friday the 13th series, so check that out also if you haven't heard that. Uh, also, the latest two ventures of cnjradio.com, Talking Rock with myself and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. It's a it's a spinoff of Rock Strikes Ten and Talking Metal where we pick a subject about rock music and we talk about it for about a half hour or so. It's a really fun show, so go check that out as well. And of course, check out Talking Metal, Mark Always has an episode up weekly, and he's always got a great guest talking metal. Still one of the best podcasts out there for sure. And also the latest venture on cnjradio.com, the I Am Vinyl podcast with myself and the great Pete Larusa. It's in its infancy right now. There's about three episodes up. We've got two more in the works. So get on it, I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete and Joey. May have something else in the works down the pike with cnjradio.com. How do I find the time? I don't know. I don't have all the time I wish I did but uh you know I play it cool in the air Uh, inside I'm screaming alright so we're gonna go and get the hell out of here Last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Spacebeard for the awesome outro we played on every episode. Go to Facebook.com slash Spacebeardband, purchase their latest album Gone, check out some uh, shows they have coming up, and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you out there. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you on the next episode covering the mega, mega controversial Woodstock 99. Till then, have fun.